Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, welcome to your Friday, March 12th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. If you recall, Friday, it was the Friday the 13th last year. That is when the NHL season officially went on pause. March 11th is when our world changed, and here we are a year later. And here we are in the midst of a season, and the Flyers coming off a 5-3 loss against the Washington Capitals. Um, a frustrating loss because I didn't think that Washington played particularly well. They didn't play a really good 60-minute hockey game. Um, I was texting back and forth with Bill Meltzer after the game, and, he, and I agree with him. And his point was, yeah, that Washington played a good game in the first period, pretty decent defensively in the second period, but in the third period they were a bit of a mess. Uh, but the Flyers dug themselves a hole again that you can't keep digging and expect to win games. Yeah, they came back against the Sabres. It's the Sabres. They came back against the Penguins. That was 3 nothing four minutes into the game. And while that was tough to come back from and they won that game in regulation, again, you're you're just not going to be – that's not a sustainable tactic to winning in the NHL because the majority of the teams you won't be able to come back from, from being down two and three goals in third periods. It'll happen occasionally, but it can't be the modus operandi, and that's the point. The Flyers, once again, uh, get themselves down 4-1 to one in this game, and, and, and again, it was self-inflicted wounds and poor D-zone coverage and turnovers – and lack of attention to detail that really kind of were their demise in this game. You know, you look at the first goal, it's kind of an in-between puck between Sean Couturier and Brian Elliott. Elliott plays it off the boards, comes off the boards a little hot, and on the backhand of Ivan Provorov, he doesn't handle it, and the puck is there just sitting on a tee for the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game, and he just bombs a one a one-time clapper off the post and in. Ovechkin, his ninth goal of the season. Then the second goal is just a play at the blue line in the offensive zone where Nick Albay-Kubel's got to just get that puck back deep. There's two caps there, and Elaine Vigneault talked about this, and you'll hear from him in this podcast, but he, they play man-on-man defensively, and there's two capital players there, one on Albay-Kubel, another one on Sanheim, and it's too close quarters to make that kind of handoff pass at the blue line. Because if it doesn't work, it goes the other way, and you you have no chance. No chance to catch that guy on a breakaway. This time it was Connor Sherry. He goes in, he's able to slide it and slip it through Brian Elliott. And it's and then all of a sudden, boom, it's a 2-1 game after the Flyers tied it on Travis Konechny's power play goal. And then the third goal, it's another turnover in the offensive zone. And then eventually, uh, Jacob Vrana is kind of forced to the outside by Shane Gossespierre, which was good, which was totally fine. And Ivan Provorov gets driven to the net by uh, another forward for Washington driving far post, exactly like he's supposed to do, to have the effect that it had, which is to bring that defenseman down low by the by the crease. And then John Carlson recognizes that, the defenseman for the Caps. So he drives the net, activates, and there's no forward providing back pressure to mute the now jumping in the play defenseman, he gets a one-time shot, puts it by Brian Elliott, and it, boom, it's 3-1, and so on and so forth. The Flyers mounted a nice comeback in the third period to get within a goal. Um, big goal by Scott Lawton to get them within one. But, again, the hole was too deep. And against a team like Washington, 
nine times out of ten, when you dig a hole that deep, you're not going to come back. So they got back within one. Yeah, they made it a game with nine minutes and 45 seconds left, I believe it was, or or nine minutes and 15 seconds. But they're not able to get the equalizer, and uh, now you have a, another loss, another opportunity at two points against the team that you, that one of the teams you may be battling with for one of those top four spots in the Eastern Conference. So we're going to get to Twitter questions after Elaine Vino. Um, and I, I was just kind of looking through them. There's some really good questions. And I think I have some really good answers. It, it, is it time to panic? I, no, it's not time to panic. We're not even at the midway point of a shortened season. I know it's a shortened season. And I know there's a lot of hot taking going on on Twitter. Oh, this team's not going to take the playoffs. Or this team's not. Okay. It's a long season still. There's a ton of hockey left and when you're playing in your division. And I get that. And they're not playing well right now. And for the most part, I don't think they've played particularly great this entire season. When they were winning games in the beginning of the year in chunks, the process wasn't great. They weren't getting enough shots. And that was a complaint by a lot of people. And look, that was not a complaint by me. You know where I stand when it comes to shots. And now you see a team that's out shooting. I mean, over the last 10 games, I, I would say they probably outshot significantly nine of their last 10 opponents, but their record is not good. And again, it's the byproduct of shots is, yes, zone time and and being able to not be in your defensive zone. But shots do not equal goals. Shots do not equal wins. If there's anything that we've learned through 24 games this season, I hope it's that. We cannot judge how good a team was, how good a team is, how bad a team is, or how the result, any of that, none of that. We cannot judge any of it, any of it, by the shot total on the scoreboard. Who gives a a you-know-what? It doesn't mean anything. The Capitals in this game, the Flyers were out shooting the Caps at one point. I think it was 18-16, to and... I thought the Flyers had two, two quality scoring chances. They scored on one of them at that point. That was Travis Konechny's power play goal. The other one hit the crossbar on that same power play by Kevin Hayes. And then there was 16 other shots. I guess 17 because the one that hit the crossbar doesn't count as a shot. Seventeen, So 16 shots, though, total that were not high-danger chances. And Ilya Samsonov had an easy time with. At the other end, the Caps at that point, I think, had 14 shots, and I counted five, maybe six, high-quality scoring chances. High-quality. And they had three goals at that point. And obviously, the three that they scored were all on high-quality scoring chances. So, again, shots don't mean bleep. All right, let's get to the head coach. Elaine Vigneault, here's his reaction after the game and the loss to the Washington Capitals. What did you think of the team's energy level in the first two periods? You know, I'm, I was more concerned about our, our execution, really, than our uh, than our energy. Uh, you know, I felt that, uh, you know, they are a team that they put hard pressure. They play a real tight game. They make the lines real hard, and then their zone, they play man-on-man. And there are plays with the puck that you need to make in all three of those zones, and Unfortunately, in their end, we made some costly mistakes that led to uh, rush opportunities that that they were able to to put in the back of our net. Uh, we had a push in the third, but uh, it was uh, obviously too late. 
what's been missing in the beginnings of games? It seems like over this last stretch, you guys you know, close strong, and sometimes that's enough to come back, but you're digging yourselves holes. Yeah, there's no doubt that we have to be better, and and that's on me. I mean, I, I you know, my job is to prepare the team and to uh, obviously to make sure that they know what to expect. Uh, I went through the different phases. Uh, I'm going to have to obviously uh, do a better job next game, and and at the end of the day, players have the responsibility to give the, themselves ready to execute and compete. And our execution was off. Uh, Obviously, uh, it wasn't as good as theirs, and that's why they were able to make those plays and capitalize on our mistakes. This is now the third game over the past few here that you guys have had a comeback effort. Um, what has it been that has been the last two you came back? What was it tonight that couldn't finish it off there in the third? Uh, well, I mean, you got to give credit to the opposition. I mean, they're a good team. Uh, you know, they're built – they're tough to play against, you know. Like I mentioned a little bit before, they, their pressure is hard and it's relentless. You have to make plays with the puck. They play so tight in that neutral zone uh, that sometimes the high percentage play, the right play is to advance the puck and skate onto it, which if you go east-west, you get yourselves in trouble. And if you lose the puck in the offensive zone, the way they play man-on-man, their counterattack with their Ds jumping up in the play is, is really efficient. So... Uh, we had a push, but uh, they're a good team. And when you get behind uh, against a team like that, it's it, it's very challenging. Uh, in that first period, were were the, the turnovers the, the things that really caught your eye? Yeah, I mean that's that's it right there. I mean, uh, you know, they're their first goal. It, it's a pass to to Vanya that I I think he should pick up, and he doesn't. And one of the best, if not the best, all-time NHL scorer is is out there just. Uh, one timing it so uh, I mean that's tough playing the second we lost it in an area where you can't lose the puck and they came right back and uh, you know got a breakaway off that so uh, mistakes that you can't do and we did and uh, we'll uh, re-energize tomorrow regroup and get ready for our next game always interesting comments from uh, head coach Elaine Vigneault he did an availability earlier in the day and Anthony Sanfilippo from Crossing Broad asked him a question about changing his D pairs so much this season and how that's not something a head coach looks to do. Because Phil Myers was healthy scratch from the game. And uh, Eric Gustafson was in with Robert Haig. And uh, Justin Braun was with Travis Sanheim. And Shane Gossespierre was with Ivan Provorov. And they've all had about four, five different combinations of pairs throughout this season. And not with a whole heck of a lot of consistency. So he asked Elaine Vigneault about that. And Elaine Vigneault... Um, said, yeah, I mean, that's obviously something, you know, you want to play for the guy next to you. And when you have chemistry and you are a pair and it's consistent, you know, you don't want to let that guy down. That There's that element of it. And and he said at the end of it, and I thought it was really interesting the way he worded it. He goes, we, get, we have to find that chemistry and we're working on some things to, to, to make that work, to get that right. Um, I think he said working on some options. Now, I read that a certain way. Uh, I don't know if everybody read it the same way I did. But I read that as, hey, we've tried a lot of different combinations here so far this season. And I'm not seeing the chemistry that I want. And to me, that alluding of we're, we have some other options and we'll get it right. To me, I, again, I might be wrong. And it. When I say this, you can either shake your head yes or no, and I'll pretend I say it. 
that's alluding to they're trying to work a deal to bring in a top four defenseman. And that's where you get it right. And, and we're going to tackle this issue in Twitter questions because one top four defenseman or a top pairing defenseman, whether say that's uh, Matthias Ekholm from the Nashville Predators, say that's Rasmus Ristolainen from the Buffalo Sabres. One player can make a huge difference. And people say, well, you think this team's just one defenseman away from you know, being a, a really good team? And I say, yeah, but why? Well, here's the reason why I think so. Because any time that you have players playing up in your lineup where maybe they're not suited to play at that, that role just yet, Maybe they're young players. Maybe they're like Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers. And any time that they have to play up, it exposes them. It weakens your top unit. It weakens all units defensively. And when you have, like you had Matt Niskin in here, and you had a legitimate top pair, that slotted everybody else properly. So when you have the team slotted properly, it makes a huge difference. So it's not just about one player. It's about the addition of that player locking down a very important top pairing spot, but also slotting your team correctly. Matt Niskanen was a really good player. He was not Drew Doughty. He was not Petrangelo. He is not Charlie McAvoy. He is not that level of player. He was not that level of player last year. He complimented Ivan Provorov very well. And the combination of the two of them made for a pretty darn good top pair. He could give you a calming shift when you needed it. All of those things. But was he was he a, an elite NHL defenseman? I don't think so. I thought he was a really good player. And I'd love for him to walk back through the door. Because he's a right shot guy that you know you have chemistry with. Hey, I'm all for it. But let's not act like he up and retired and he was Drew Doughty. In his prime, or Duncan Keith, he wasn't. But it, why was the team so much better when he was here, defensively? Is because that top pair was locked down and they were slotted correctly. Now your second pair, Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers, they got a more favorable matchup than they're getting right now. It just—it's the trickle down effect of strengthening from the top. <clears throat> That's part of it. That's part of it, and if they make a deal and, and they're able to check that box and the trickle-down effect of it, I expect them to be a team that goes to that level. Without that, though, can they get back to that level that they were in the second half of last season where they were had the second-best record in the NHL? I don't know. I mean, right now I'd be a fool to say yes, wouldn't I, based on what we've seen? I mean, we're 24 games in now. This isn't four or five games into a season. All right, let's get to Twitter questions. I've gone on long enough. Let's start with the egg. We love starting with the egg. He said, uh, the Flyers spent many years drafting and developing a young core of defensemen. Are you disappointed in the lack of development by this group by the, this season? All right, so the guys we're talking about, we're talking about Provorov. We're talking about Sanheim. We're talking about Myers. We're talking about Robert Haig. And I guess to an extent, Shane Gossespierre. Um, I'm disappointed in in the defense and the team defense this year. But again, just going right, Eggman, going right back to what I said. When you lose a guy like Niskanen and don't replace him, 
there's going to be a trickle down effect to that. And look, I know a lot of people want to rail on Chuck Fletcher going, oh, you just turned a blind eye to Matt Niskanen retire. There is there was no deals being made. There's no trades to be made. There's there wasn't a glut of top pairing right shot defensemen on the market. I, I think I thought the move all along was an in season deal to try and check this box when teams fall out and players become available and they try and save money and they look to toward the future, like Nashville, like Buffalo, like Anaheim. So it made more sense to me. But look if if I'm going just based on what I've seen this year, um, Phil Myers has been healthy scratched a couple of times. I think he's an elite level athlete, great skater, big body, right shot. But I think the mental side of the game is what hurts him sometimes. And Delaine Vigneault talked about it. He's got to be more consistent. He's got to be better. It would help also if you had a top pairing defenseman and his role was slotted more properly. That's, that's what I think about it. But look, overall, I think Provorov's had a really up-and-down year. Sometimes he just loses the handle on pucks, and I don't understand why. His skating is so incredible, and there's elements there. I just don't know that at this point in his career he's ready to be a lockdown, Norris defenseman, top number one guy like Dowdy was, You know, to go back to use that name. Um, Let's go to quarterback factory um on twitter and he says can you genuinely see this flyers team beating either the islanders or the bruins in a seven game playoff series well if they were playing this week absolutely not (laughs) the way they're playing right now no i can't and as currently constructed um i would have a hard time hard time picking them in a best of seven series against those two teams and the capitals for that matter as well um why is that because the islanders are, are so big and physical um, the Bruins are to some extent as well, and, and they're a tough matchup for the Flyers, at least this year they have been. Uh, last year they weren't. The Caps last year, I mean, Flyers just lost back-to-back games to the Caps, and that's the first two losses they've had against the Caps in, I think, seven tries. But um, right now I would not pick them. But, again, you got to see a couple of things. Where the Flyers are <clears throat> come playoff time, if when and if they make any additions and the effect of those additions – and where the Bruins or the Islanders are at that time. You know, the Islanders are a weird team. They got off to a, a bit of a sketchy start, and they've really righted the ship now. They're leading the division. They're playing great. They're 9-0-1 in their last 10. Um, but they're a team that the, the season prior had a tremendous start to the season, and then they hit a skid. And had it not been for the pandemic and the pause, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. They lost 14 of their last 16 games. So they're a team that... It's a little bit back and forth. When they're hot, they're really hot. When they're bad, they're really bad. I don't know what that team's going to be come playoff time. It's, I mean, we're we're in March, and we're not even at the midway point of the season. So I, it's too early to ask, answer that. But if I had to answer based on this season and at this moment, and if they were playing each other in the best of seven, no, I would not be able to pick the Flyers over either of those opponents right now. Uh, Mikey on Twitter says, I will, I while, I will dance you is his Twitter handle. Nice handle, buddy. Uh, he says, will Chuck Fletcher target players with some term at the deadline instead of rentals? That all depends. Um, it depends on what he's giving up. You know, the expansion draft is obviously part of the equation, but if he can make a hockey deal and he feels like it's a player that he won't lose or he he can protect in some way, shape, or form, then yeah, he would. I mean, ideally, if you're giving something up, you'd rather have somebody for more than one kick at the can 
you'd like to have multiple years with a guy if you believe he can be, you know, a really integral part of your team, not only for this run, but going forward, then yes. Uh, I don't think that term is necessarily a non-starter when it comes to uh, this trade deadline. Colin Berger tweets in, he says, uh, team seems flat. Can we attribute that to some of the stars being contact, had, having contracted COVID and them jumping in on a brutal stretch? Is it lack of talent or effort? May the, maybe the results are starting to match the poor early season process. Well, it's weird because the process looks better now. The process is better now from an offensive zone time perspective, shots and all those things. I've already gone on enough about why shots don't mean anything. But anyway, somebody else asked this too about you know them just coming back from COVID. And can that be a part of why they're struggling a little bit right now? It's a hard question for me to answer because I'm not a. I'm not a doctor, and number two, I don't know how bad, how sick they were, how they were, you know, uh, how they recovered from it. I really don't know, so it's a really hard. I, it would just be conjecture, but there are, you know, some other teams. Buffalo, who was off to a good start before COVID, New Jersey, who was also off to a good start before they had a significant COVID outbreak that are really struggling right now since they came back from COVID. Um, but but I look at some of the players that, you know, were out with COVID and Giroux, I think, I don't think he's been, I think he's been fine. Um, I look at guys, you know, the, no, to me, I, I, I'm not going to let that be an excuse. So even though I'm not sure, it, I don't think it's a lack of talent. I think the, the number one D hole that they have is real and that's the biggest need for this team um but and i don't think it's a lack of effort i think it's a lack of execution right now and and look the schedule is tough and they don't have a lot of practice time and practice time helps special teams like the power play and pk and that's been an issue as well colin newby tweets and he says is lawton one of the most valuable players on this roster at this point yeah, absolutely he's an energy guy elaine vigno was asked about him uh, he's a guy coaches love why first of all I think I always say he gives you he gives you an honest game every game he gives you an honest shift every shift he gives you an honest period every period he's a player that you know what you're going to get he's got talent he can move up and down the roster he kills penalties he can play on the wing he can play center he's a utility guy. He's a Swiss army knife as a player and you love guys like that from a coaching perspective because you know you can elevate him and play in a top six role either on the wing or at center if you need to you can put him in a bottom six role and he's not going to say boo he's going to go down and do his job and coaches love guys I mean one of the sayings that I always heard as a player and that I've used as a coach and working with other coaches was don't try and do the guy next to his job do your job because if you're trying to do his job now neither of you are doing your job so do your job Scott Lawton does his job uh, at Andu Sports 21 tweets and he says, it seems that Fletcher needs to send a message. What immediate move would be a good wake-up call for this locker room? He says, I say wave or trade Raffle and trade Ghost. Why are you going to trade Raffle? He hasn't even been playing. He's been dealing with a hand injury. And he's a guy that gives you, I mean, he's a good fourth-line player. I'm not saying he's a top-six player. He's a good fourth-line player that's a good penalty killer. I think that's... Uh, at Andu Sports 21, I think that's the dumbest ass idea I've heard in a long time. 
just waive and trade Michael Roffel? That seems kind of dumb. Um, as far as trade Ghost, I, look, I think Ghost, if there is a deal, could be involved in it. I, um, but it depends on what you're getting in return, obviously. I, and I don't think the value is in what you get in return for Ghost. It's, he'd be part of a package if that was indeed what happened. And, you know, it's, it's also dollar in, dollar out because of the salary cap situation. Uh, at Flyers Cup Crazy says, are the Flyers closer to the bottom feeders or are they a couple pieces away from being a cup contender? Man, I'll tell you, Twitter sometimes. Are, are they closer to being bottom feeders? Okay, a bottom feeder right now in the NHL, to me, are teams like the Buffalo Sabres, the Vancouver Canucks this season, although I thought Vancouver was really good last season. I'm surprised with what's happened this season. Or like the Ottawa Senators. Or, you know, when you look at teams like that, are they closer to being a bottom feeder or a cup contender? <laughs> I'd say they're a little bit closer to being a cup contender. I don't see many bottom feeders with the depth that they have and the strength that they have down the middle. Are they playing good right now? No, they're not. They're not. But come on. You've got to be smarter than this. They are not a bottom feeder. They're not close to being bottom feeder. It's not time to break it up and tank and rebuild it properly. That doesn't work in the NHL. This is not the NBA. Okay? How did tanking do for Buffalo, who tanked to try and get Austin Matthews? Or no, excuse me, Connor McDavid. They ended up with Jack Eichel. Really good player. They haven't made the playoffs in a decade. And they're not going to make it this year. They had Rasmus Dahlin, number one overall pick. Jack Eichel, second overall pick. They have other players on that team. They brought in Taylor Hall, former number one overall pick. What do they have? Nothing. The Edmonton Oilers. They had three, I think, out of four years, the number one overall pick. How many playoff series did they won? Tanking. I mean, look at the players that Edmonton got. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Taylor Hall, Connor McDavid. They've got Leon Dreisaitl, and they have no accomplishment with that group. None. None at all. As far as being closer to bottom feeders, the Flyers right now, if you, since teams have played different amounts of games, I mean, we have some teams in this league that have played 28, 29 games, the Flyers right now have a 604 points percentage. 604. That's 17th in the NHL. Not good enough. Not good enough. The recent play has really hurt them in that regard. Um, at JM13 says, losing Niskanen has hurt more than they realize. Has losing Niskanen hurt more than they realize? And how do they fix that? I think they knew that Niskanen was going to be a big loss. It's just in a pandemic situation and a flat cap and an expansion draft, there wasn't a lot of solutions to the problem. Uh, but how do they fix that? You got to make a deal. The answer is not here. Not in my opinion. The answer for a top-pairing defenseman to play alongside Ivan Provorov at 22-plus minutes a night is not here. And unless you acquire that piece, then the team will not be slotted properly from a defensive standpoint, in my opinion. Um, Big Chief says, when is the GM going to do something? I think we're getting close to that time when the GM is going to do something. Um, Jeff Cantone tweets and he says, when will someone in the media start questioning Michelle Terrian in his power play coaching personnel decisions? Um, again, this is, I know people love to, love to blame the power play coach. They do. 
Well, I never see Michelle Therrien on the ice executing a power play. Look, they have have no time to work on it. None. They had players in and out of the lineup. They just wrapped up six games in nine days. They don't have back-to-back days off. It's That's a thing. The power play, penalty kill, is something that needs to be practiced for it to get, to get better. And they don't have practice. They scored a power play goal in this game. They've been decent at points. Does it need to be better? Absolutely. They have to find a way to carve out time for that at practice. All right, last question because I can't take any more. Um, Johnny Zadonek says, how are we, if at all, going to get out of this slump? It seems like we can't beat playoff teams with regularity. Well, they have beaten. I mean, the best team in the division is the Islanders. They've beaten the Islanders twice in two tries this season. Um, they're now 1-2 and two against the Washington Capitals this season. Um, against Pittsburgh, they are 3-2. and two. Against um, the Boston Bruins, we know they're 0-3-2. And, and thank God they only have to play them three more times this year. These slumps happen. They're all part of a season. It's frustrating, and I'm frustrated too. But the team needs to dial in the details. We'll see if a deal happens. And it helps their slotting of their players. And this too shall pass. This is why you can't ever get too caught up and too high when they're playing great. Because you can't get too low when they're not. You're never as good as you are when they're winning. And you ha- they're, you're not never as good as you think they are. And you're never as bad as you think they are when you're not winning. Sports are weird. They're playing a game on ice with steel blades on their feet, chasing around a vulcanized piece of rubber and trying to put it in the net past a guy that's wearing a ton of equipment and looks like an alien. It's not as simple as it would seem. And sometimes things don't go your way. Sometimes you got to get down and you got to go out and you got to clean under the stands in the rink to get the hockey gods back on your side to get a bounce. Like that fourth goal that the that the cap scored off of Shane Goss' bear's foot and bounces over Brian Elliott. When things aren't going good, those things happen. When things are going good, that puck goes wide. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode. We'll be back tomorrow with another brand-new episode, and we'll preview Flyers' cap Saturday night uh, to wrap up the week. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on tomorrow's Flyers Daily.